Hey, this is Annie, and you're listening to Stuff I'm Never Told You. It's around Valentine's Day here in the United States. And since I'm rarely in relationships on Valentine's Day, I usually get together with my other single female friends and we get things like pizza and french fries and watch movies together. And it is a lovely time. We were doing Valentine's Day before Parks and Rec popularized it. I I suspect a lot of us were. (laughs) And my mom was also really great about Valentine's Day too. She would make me these flowers out of tissue paper and write really sweet cards for me. Um, and I used to feel a lot of pressure and low-key shame, to be honest, that I was alone on Valentine's Day. But these days, I've mostly overcome it. This Valentine's Day, I had some friends over and we played board games and we saw Marvel on ice because we are the coolest people you have ever heard of. Um, I've spoken a lot before about how I'm single and I'm happy that way, but people refuse to believe it or they cannot believe it. I get strange looks, all sorts of questions that I'm surprised people feel comfortable enough to ask. Basically, aren't you worried you'll die alone? Or, but you're old. (laughs) Or, you must be the saddest person. Something is clearly wrong with you. And I've heard that same thing from a lot of my single friends. This classic episode is all about this singlehood stigma and how we single women are terrifying to people. Enjoy. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, I did some reading this weekend. And did you know that 100 million Americans, that's over half the population, are unmarried according to the Census Bureau? Mm -hmm. This means that half of the over 18 population is being overlooked by some very important policies. Talking about these single people, single adults? The single adults. Yeah, and we ran across um, an article last week over at Tara Parker Pope's wellness blog at the New York Times, and she was reporting on how some social scientists and researchers think that because of this huge population and growing population of American adult singles, that a lot of them are being overlooked in terms of benefits, pay, taxes, and things like that. And too much emphasis is being put on the holy altar of marriage. Right. And you know, uh, we're fighting for marriage equality. Yeah. But whether you're gay or straight, if you're single, you're going to be left behind. <laughs> right. <laughs> Any marriage reform, you know, that's great, but it's still leaving the single people out of that. Mm-hmm. And Naomi Gerstel, a sociologist at University of Massachusetts Amherst, um, says this push for marriage uh, essentially assumes that if you don't get married, there is something wrong with you. Um, but a huge proportion of the population is unmarried, and the single population is only going to grow. And um, there's this September 24th editorial, so a recent editorial in The Guardian, um, sort of brings up the subject of should partners have similar rights mm-hmm. to um, to married, to, to, uh, to spouses. Yeah, sort of um, bringing up the, the idea of reviving a common common law kind of marriage. Right, yeah, it said something like, it's been, there's been no common law marriage since the 18th century, but most of the population still thinks that 
it exists. <laughs> and um, and it's good that you bring up the issue of of partners because when we say single, a lot of times you'll probably assume that someone who's completely unattached, like not in any kind of uh, long-term or dating relationship at all. But remember, in this context, single applies to just someone who is not married. Right. And um, so The Guardian was talking about the Office for National Statistics, which found that the key to a strong marriage is actually to live together first. It's Mm -hmm. cohabitation. Um, And ONS suggests that cohabitation is seen as promoting rather than competing with marriage and uses um, this argument to uh, suggest that maybe we should have more rights mm-hmm. as as domestic partners or just, you know, folks living together. Yeah, and we've talked about um, premarital cohabitation, as it is formerly called, on uh, the podcast before and talking about whether or not um, it predicts divorce because there was a study that came out a while ago saying that people who live together before they get married are then more likely to get divorced. There are all of these statistics that we saw about how people who live together who are unmarried, you know, they drink more and they weigh more and they have lower incomes and, you know, basically it all coming, emphasizing this point over and over again that that marriage, you know, especially the heterosexual marriage ideal is... Uh, is, is where it's at in terms of family stability. Um, but a lot of times the people who are promoting those kind of ideas are, uh, you know, a little more conservative, a little agenda-based. Yeah, people's ideas of marriage are often based on things that they grew up with, mm-hmm. the norms that they were surrounded by. And these ideals and norms can actually have a big effect on the workplace. And according to a Businessweek article from a couple of years ago, um, unmarried people wind up making an average 25% less than their married colleagues for the same work just because of this marriage-centric structure that we have going on. Right. They're just more built-in benefits for people who are married and have children. Um, And there have been a lot of companies uh, since this Business Week article came out that have tried to be more inclusive, specifically for like same-sex partners, Mm -hmm. um, kind of taking away the the formal, you know, box of, of marriage so that uh, to provide rights for uh, or benefits for other people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, the penalties still exist. And what is it? The Family um, Medical Leave Act mm-hmm. this is like a federal law. Um, Bella DePaulo is a psychologist, and she is one of the number one voices about uh, singleism. She even cy- coined the term singleism uh, to... Uh, as a catch-all for the, you know, kind of anti-single people. Right, the discrimination against single folks. Yes, discrimination. Yeah, and she cites the Family and Medical Leave Act as an example of it because legally, since she's single and doesn't have any children, no one can take time off under the law to care for her if she becomes really sick. Mm -hmm. And it's not required that she be given time off to care for siblings, nephews, close friends. I mean, in my case, I have um, a number of... (laughs) I've lost count. In fact, <laughs> I have a number of nieces and nephews, and um, and it would be great to have you know similar freedom to be able to mm-hmm. you know pick them up from soccer practice if my sister was in a bind or something right. like that. Right. It would be nice to know that you wouldn't lose your job because you had to take care of one of those nieces or nephews, mm-hmm. or you know if they were sick or or a sibling. It would be nice to know you had a job to come back to, or even a good friend or a podcast co-host. Oh, oh, <laughs> I thanks. I'm in good health, though. <laughs> I assure you. And the thing is. 
single people <laughs> could use some more assistance because statistically, we're the ones putting in, um, you know, the volunteer hours, mm-hmm. um, kind of keeping things running in our society running. Yeah, in our communities. And parents, before you uh, turn off the podcast and say, (laughs) you you don't understand, I don't have, you know, I don't have time to do this. I'm caring for children. It's not parenthood that's the issue. According to Naomi Gerstle, that sociologist from Amherst that Caroline mentioned earlier, she told the New York Times, it's not having children that isolates people. It's actually the marriage, right, if you break because, it down. Yeah, once people get married, they tend to turn their energies inward. Mm-hmm. They've played the game. Yeah. They won. They got their partner. And I'm not, that sounds really cynical. And I'm not really that cynical. But um, yeah, no, studies have shown that once people get married, they, they turn their focus away from friendships, uh, extended family, and the community, and, and turn it inward on their own family that they're building. Yeah, I mean, just for an example, this is from the Council on Contemporary Families, um, looking at who is taking care of aging parents with the the booming, or the the aging uh, boomer population. 84% of unmarried women take care of parents, compared to 68% of married women. For men, it's only 67% of unmarried men, compared to just 38% of married guys. And then also, unmarried people are more connected with family, community, and have higher volunteerism rates. Um, one in five take part in volunteer work, such as teaching, coaching, raising money for charities, and things like that. Right. Yeah, I have all sorts of time to go volunteer with projects around Atlanta, being, I, <laughs> being that I'm a single person who eats lots of chocolate. As I, I, you know what? I do, too, and I'm going to be honest with you right now. I don't, I don't volunteer enough. Well, I volunteer time at my, my keyboard. Good. You, you keep that economy rolling. <laughs> at, my, at my laptop. But I hope you get out some, Kristen, that you're not just sitting at your keyboard. Because if you didn't get out and have friends, you would be the oddball. Because the statistic <laughs> says that... Even more than I already Even <laughs> more. Um, at all educational levels, unmarried individuals not only have more friends than their married counterparts, but they give these friends more care, both practical and emotional. So... I'm here for you. <laughs> Thank you. And for married people, I'm here for you too, although I won't understand your problems. But here's the thing, though. The point of the podcast was to talk about this, uh, the, answer the question of whether or not single people are stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, not to... <sighs> Make us sound like, uh, <laughs> you know, some major stereotypes right now, Caroline. But uh-huh. you and I fit into the demographic where it, we're about to get really, really stigmatized unless we put a ring on it soon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going um, to buy a ring for myself. Yeah. T- being married by age 25, mm-hmm. and I'm about to hit 28, is consistent with the normative pattern and snaff ideology SNAF standing for the standard North American family, the ideal of like, you get married, you have 2.5 kids, you get a white picket fence. Right. So 25 is the age for women where that's like within the normal mm-hmm. range. And so I have gone past that. But although the average, um, statistically, I think according to census data, the average age for women getting married is like 26.7 years old. Ooh. So you're, I mean, like okay. you're closer, you're closer than you think. You're just not right at that at that snap. <laughs> Thanks. It gives me so. I feel so much better. Um, 
<laughs> I, on the other hand, am about I'm I'm rapidly approaching 27, and so I got I'm on a like husband countdown. Oh Lord! Okay, and don't let anyone hear like that. Two months, <laughs> so, that I, so I can beat the odds. Um, yeah. Well, talking about uh, single stigma and the fact that we are rapidly approaching the end of our I don't know whatever acceptable stereotypical marriage period. Um, <laughs> A 2009 study by researchers at the University of Missouri and Texas Tech called, and I love this, I'm not a loser, I'm not married, let's all just look at me, um, talked with 10 women who were in their 30s, right? Mm -hmm. In their 30s, um, talked to them about what it was like being single. And a lot of these women definitely said they felt stigmatized, despite the fact that they were successful in their careers, Mm -hmm. had good lives otherwise. Part of this is that they were made to be aware of the changing realities as they got older. There were certain triggers that they faced, like going to weddings, going to showers, you know. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it, uh, a a big trigger is people around them, like coworkers, family members, et cetera, who are all going, so when are you going to get married? Mm -hmm. And that just makes them more aware of the fact that they're not married. Right. Well, I thought uh, it was interesting, too, that all of the women had been told by other people that they were just being too picky. And it reminds me a lot of, and Caroline, I don't know if you heard about this book. It came out maybe last year. Um, It got a lot of press. It was Lori Gottlieb wrote it, and it was called Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough. Yeah, it upset a lot of people. Yeah, because she was basically like, hey, you know what, ladies? We are getting older. We need a little bit of stability. Just take the nice guy who, you know, might might not set your heart aflame, but he will make you a casserole sometimes. I, you know what? And I'm really, <laughs> I mean, that's really a, you know, quite a nutshell to put it in. But it's, it's the same kind of thing of like, hey, mm-hmm. you know what? Stop being so picky. Um, the media has just fed us lies all about these this. independent women myths. Well, yeah, and also this notion that, you know, you can have it all and find, you know, some an amazing partner. Uh, so, but, so just give up. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like uh, in this study that we were just talking about, um, somebody talked about their grandmother who said, well, just, just go ahead and get married and have the baby. You can always divorce him later. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's part of this really <laughs> archaic might be too strong a word. But this, just this notion of like, you have to do things in a certain order. Yeah. You go to school, you get married, you have a baby, and then everything else is just secondary. And then the baby goes to school. Right. And, yeah. And then you, you torment the baby about, when are you going to meet somebody, baby? But, <laughs> hey, baby. But speaking of unwed, or speaking of children, though, now would be a good time to bring up the fact that non-marital births um, are becoming the norm. Mm-hmm. As is, I mean, if we've got 100 million single folks, uh, you know, a number of whom are probably reproducing, you can imagine <laughs> that the rate of unwed motherhood has gone up. And it's not just single mothers, too. It's like people who are living together, adopting children or having children together. Um, and just to give you an idea from the CDC, uh, 60% of non-marital births, 60% in 2000. Seven were to women in their 20s, significantly higher than the 42% level in 1970. Because back in the 70s and before, teen pregnancy uh, made up the large proportion of non-marital births. But now, 
you know, folks our age are having kids and it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of following in the footsteps of uh, Iceland, Sweden, Norway, where well over one half of recent births are to women who aren't married. We're becoming so European. I know. Um, The Business Week article mentions along the same lines that 40% of children will live with their mom and her boyfriend before they turn 16. And it goes on to say that, you know, it would be better for kids to have a more stable environment to grow up in, but it seems like this is going to be so much more common than yeah. it already is. Well, I mean, if uh, studies that they've done, it reminds me of um, uh, some research that came out last year looking at the child outcomes from um, you know same-sex parent households, basically wondering whether or not you know if kids are raised by two men as opposed to a man and a woman, will they be fine? And the answer is yes, yes. If you have um, a stable dual head household, mm-hmm. then that's the best chance for uh, for positive outcomes. Right. But it does not mean that you have to be married. So not all numbers are super encouraging mm-hmm. when we're talking about being single and whatnot. Did you know, according to the census breakdown in 2010, that there are 88 unmarried men, 18 or over, for every 100 single women, 18 and over. So there's a gap. There's Although a bit of a gap. It's like, yeah, it's 45% of unmarried U.S. residents over the age of 18 were women. But yeah, <laughs> then it's like, surprise, uh, when you break it down further, 88 to 100, you know. But don't confine yourself just to the American borders. <laughs> oh, well, you're right. You're right. You can, and I have not You in can the past. go elsewhere. But speaking of men... Um, I have to cross an ocean. God. <laughs> one, one thing... Is it okay you would have an international site? I guess I can go to Canada. I don't know those accents. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, we got a lot of Canadian I know. Listeners. Hey, I, it was a joke. It was a joke. I have, I have relatives in Minnesota. <laughs> um... But speaking of men, though, one thing that stood out to me from all this single stigma information is that a lot of times it seems like, and maybe it's just the way the research has been conducted, perhaps they simply have not sat men down and asked them, hey, how do you feel being the single guy Mm -hmm. at the table? Um, But it seems like this social stigma is mostly directed at women yeah. in their late 20s and 30s. And then, you know, beyond that, then we we're just called crazy cat ladies and <laughs> forgotten about. We all star in our own Kathy cartoon. Um, so I'm wondering, I'm asking men out there, you know, is there, do you feel any kind of single stigma? Do you feel pressure if you're in a relationship? Do you feel the pressure to get married or somehow or move in, do something to take mm-hmm. it to the next step, to somehow legitimize it in society's viewpoint. Right. I mean, there definitely are stigmas out there still, mm-hmm. um, despite the fact that there's just this growing number of single people, yeah. people who are living together or people who are just in long-term relationships and not getting married. It's growing, mm-hmm. you know, It's the, the numbers are getting bigger, but there's still a stigma. Well, I think we kind of hit this point to where, first of all, we live so long. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're going to be with someone for a really long time if it really is till death do you part and the divorce rate is so high and there is at least with our generation caroline not this rush to find your career and find your 
spouse and settle down. We're mm-hmm. delaying marriage. We're hopping around, trying out different kinds of jobs and things like that. So I'll be really interested to see, I don't know, how all of this shakes out and if mm-hmm. we will at some point kind of, as a society, mature out of the uh, heteronormative marriage structure. Right. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's going to be hard to move past that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the stereotypes, the scripts, and schema. Yeah. Um. But I mean, it's just becoming so common. Yeah. So obviously, there's a disconnect there. Right. Somewhat a cultural lag, if you will. Yeah. So, the romantic sexual partner. It's just. It's not the only way to be satisfied in life, people. Yeah. And maybe it's time for us to reclaim the term single because that also came up a lot. Like a lot of single people do not like to label themselves as single Mm -hmm. because it has that kind of cultural baggage of you're lonely. So what do they call themselves? uh, Well, I don't know. Maybe we we should just make uh, single cool. You know, single's the new... Uh, I don't know. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm already failing at this. I, <laughs> I can't reinvent We single. need suggestions. Well, help us out. Um, let us know your thoughts. Um, and married people, too. What, mm-hmm. what are, what's your perspective on this, the growing sea of singles around you? Or do you even notice it at all? Send us an email, momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And I've got a little email here to read right quick. Um, a little email. Uh, this is... In regard to our episode on women in um, journalism and broadcasting, and uh, Patricia is offering us insight into women in broadcasting in Germany. Hmm. Uh, And she said, I just listened to the Women in Broadcasting podcast and thought you might like to know that growing up in Germany during the 70s, women were almost always anchored national and international news. We watch ARD and ZDF. I'm assuming those are two of the two main um, networks. Uh, The women were always professional and conservatively dressed. They were well-groomed and very articulate, and they sat in front of simple desks with very Spartan backgrounds. There was no fluff or flash. Um, And I'm going to have to watch it. She sent a link to some old-school German news broadcasts. Hmm. So I'm going to check it out. If you have any links to send our way, again, our email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can also find us over on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Of course, you can check out the blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. <laughs>